0: Hey everyone, the episode you're about to listen to is one of the very first ones that we did and the sound recording is not that great.
1: It took us a little bit to hit our stride and we enjoyed these first episodes but they maybe aren't our strongest ones.
0: So we've got some better equipment and honed our skills. The recording quality gets a lot better around episode 10.
1: Stick it out, keep listening. It gets better from here.
0: I'm Ben, and you're listening to The Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode, we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list.
1: Brought to you by two guys with no
0: credentials. Welcome back, everyone, to The Sound Logic Podcast, and today we are discussing album number six from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 album list, which is... What's Going On by Marvin Gaye.
1: This is a unique episode for us. It's actually the very first episode in which we have a special guest on the podcast. I'm really excited to introduce my friend, uh, the Reverend Dr. Donna King. Also known to some
2: as Mama King. Reverend Dr. King. And I'm a pastor of a small historic church in Belmont, Pennsylvania. That's a site for the Underground Railroad, St. Paul AME Church. And AME stands for African Methodist. Episcopal so the doctrines and the work of the Lord but also the mission of the church is not new it's to fight against racism and social justice and of course all those other missions feed the hungry clothe the naked and help the poor the widows and the orphans but underlying it's the same societal issues that are going on that went on pre and post slavery time she is an incredible colleague uh, a social justice leader here in
1: the State College area and community. She is a person who embodies, I think, what it means to have a faith that is practically lived out, to not just be something that's spiritual, not just be something that's theoretical, but makes a difference in how you live your life. Um, And Donna will often talk about holding that lamp of freedom. When, When I heard that Marvin Gaye's What's Going On was on this list, her name immediately jumped into my mind as someone that I knew um, would be a great voice to have on this album, um, not just because of who she is, but because quite often she'll quote from this album in um, the spaces that she occupies. And so thank you so much for being here with us, Donna. Um, it's, a, it's a blessing. It's a gift to have you here with us.
2: Yes. Yeah. My calling seems to be to point out to people sometimes, um, take a look at the world and, you know, what's going on?
1: Whenever we start a new album, the first thing that we ask ourselves is, have you ever listened to this album in its entirety before uh, we did this project? What's the answer to that question for you this time around, Mike?
0: I had not listened to this album before. I was only familiar with uh, the title track, What's Going On, I had heard that. I did, once I heard it, recognize Mercy Mercy Me. Uh, that, That sounded very, very familiar, and I think I've heard it before. Uh, But no, I had not listened to this album, I've heard of the album, and uh, as I listened to it, and not to let the cat out of the bag, I really, really enjoyed it, I also felt that it was really hard to, not necessarily relate to, but to be able to speak to what was happening here in this time culturally. Um, I'm obviously very far removed, I'm a white guy from Canada, born in 1982, so you know, what can I really say to speak to this, what was happening for this community in 1971. I feel a little intimidated to really, really comment on the the major cultural significance of this album, um, at least from a personal perspective. However, um, I really, really enjoyed it, um, and it was very, very new to me.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way. I think when I saw the name Marvin Gaye on this list initially, I assumed it was going to be a sort of classic Motown record that was predominantly love songs, predominantly kind of uh, layered harmonies, sort of doo-wop in the background. And I was I was blown away by how political, how real, and how raw this album was. I'm wondering specifically, I guess, Donna, for us, it's often hard for us to get back into the moment in time uh, because we weren't born when so many of these great albums were released. Uh, can you give us just some insight into how it felt to be alive at the time when this
2: revolutionary kind of music was uh, was released? Well, I was introduced to Marvin Gaye by my older brothers and sisters because I'm the baby and... and <laughs> in the family and when it came out they played it over and over and over again (laughs) so much so where everyone knew it by heart because of the political time very political song and the words were relevant to that time period Um, my brother went to Vietnam Wow! and uh, when he came back um, all he played was, was jazz and he came back with all the stereo equipment and he would play his jazz, and then he would go into the jazz. It's been like John Coltrane, very you know. And then he'd start to mellow. We loved it when he mellowed when he played the ballads. Then he'd always start playing "Moby Dave What's going on? Over and over and over again. What do you think he connected to so deeply? Uh, because of the message, and that message still rings true today. I mean, even when I taught racism and sexism. Penn State University for five years, and I would write on the board, what's going on? Because there was something always going on in, in, in the news, um, and it could be like an, around the time of Ferguson, or around the time of um, even Penn State scandals, Penn State protests, what, whatever, just what was going on in society, racism-wise, uh, and gendered politics. And as soon as I wrote it on the board, they were like, oh, they call me Mama Can't, Mama can't. please, please don't 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 play don't play the song. I said, No, I'm not only am I gonna play the song, I'm gonna pass out the lyrics. And we call this temple of framing that the past is ever present. So could we look and see what he means? <laughs> you know, oil wasted upon our seas, fish full of mercury. Oh mercy, mercy me. You know, what's going on? And they were just like, Oh my gosh. And then they tell me, you're stuck in a time warp because all you do is play Motown songs <laughs> for, for us. And even to the point where the theme song of Law and Order, you know, war. Good God, yo, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing, say it again. You know, um, and I would say, uh, now you may take out your phones and do research. I call it inquiry.
0: <laughs> Look up
2: the song War. I'm not diverting away from... As you say, old school, Motown, And I said, that's right, Edwin Starr, Motel. Um, But listen to the words, you know, um, it's relevant today. Sometimes I would tell him, you know, um, you need to wake up and pay attention.
1: Reverend King, you're such a great teacher. I'm wondering, Mike, can you give us some details about this album?
0: Yeah, after we introduce the album, we always like to talk about some details. Before I get into just some statistics here, uh, on the 500 list, this is a lot of. There's a lot of firsts here. It's the first album um, that's not recorded in the 60s. Uh, it's the first album recorded by uh, you know an African American or anybody who wasn't white. Um, it's the first protest album, and this really is a, a very strong protest album. Uh, so, so we're kind of moving. The first five albums were very much, um, you know, from 65 to 67 and similar in kind of the context from where they're coming in general. And this comes from a very, very different place. So there's almost a big shift. And maybe we'll start to see a bit of a shift in the list in general as we go through it. But this is kind of takes us to, you know, to a different place early on in this list.
1: The one similarity that it does have is that This was known as a concept album when it was released, and I think that's been a fairly common theme here. Um, Now six albums in, I think the majority have been, at least at the time of release, were considered to be concept albums. Right. This one in particular, and we'll get to this later on, plays like one entire track. It's it's really beautifully mixed and edited together so that each song flows seamlessly into the next, and uh, that's really beautiful
0: thematically this is more like a concept album than any of the albums we've listened to so far Uh, and you know common themes both musically lyrically culturally so this album was released uh, may 21st 1971 it was marvin Gaye's 11th studio album he had been at the game since the early 60s Um, he wrote all the tracks primarily there he did there are some other credits on several of the tracks but he is the primary writer on all of them uh it went to the top of the u.s r&b albums chart for uh, in the u.s uh it's for sales it's certified through different countries at about 800,000 i feel like that number is low but those numbers are always a little skewed because that has to do with distribution not selling as much as some of the albums we've talked about but i don't think that necessarily has uh takes away anything from its significance. I think historically to note, it's important to understand that this is still kind of right in the middle of the height of the the Vietnam War.
1: Right, and your story, Donna, hearing that your brother comes home from the war
0: and puts this album on is just so, makes it all so real. He talks about War referring most directly to that. I'm, I'm sure other conflicts as well, but I'm imagining
2: impacts the way that you teach
0: when you're in the classroom.
2: That's because while you have your headphones in your ear and you're on your phones, what are you going to do if they call you up for the draft? You know, free your pain, saying, bring the boys home, bring them back alive, you know, and they're like, there you go again, old mm-hmm. school. I said, no, what's the difference that our songs of today are not as political? as the songs of yesterday.
1: What is it about this time right now where we don't see the same amount of people sort of speaking out as artists?
2: Well, I think people are starting to do it and take to the streets and have a voice. But when you have a mandate, like the Selective Service, that I told them you all had to check that box when you applied for financial aid. Um, And the difference was the draft. You know, when you're forced to go and fight for a country and You don't even know why you're fighting. Uh, So many times in Vietnam, I've I've seen uh, soldiers on their uniforms, the back of their uniforms, you know, we're fighting for a war and we don't even know why we're here. Mm -hmm.
1: This is not our war. A lot of frustration and really an important moment in time to have strong black figures speaking up and i think uh, that's what makes
0: this cover seem so appealing yes uh, an interesting album cover we always like to talk about the album cover this is a photograph of marvin gay he's he's looking has, has a very kind of solemn look on his face he's looking off yes uh, to his left he's got a you can really only see his head and shoulders the background's not in focus. He's got a big colored, almost like a rain jacket on. It appears to be raining. Um, it's almost like a big kind of oilskin jacket on. And uh, there's not a whole lot happening, but it's it's a really interesting photo. And it really, I, I can kind of just stare at it and look at him, just kind of gazing off somewhere. It's like he's really looking or thinking about something.
1: Yeah, I think, especially at a moment in time um you know just after civil rights the rise of the civil rights movement mm-hmm. there was this desire to see um, strength in black leaders and I think this I look at this cover and I think this is a confident strong human being uh, probably yeah. at a time when young black people needed to see strong confident, um, mm. Black leaders.
2: Yes, and sometimes you need the,
1: those tests. I think it fits real well with the tone of the album. He's um, he's powerful, you know. It, yeah. If uh, if we didn't have all this other context, uh, and you said, "Hey, this is like a, a cast member from um, Black Panther," be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, it looks like you know, <laughs> some right. a superhero yeah. kind of ready to move in." <laughs> yeah. Oh, for um, sure and uh i can't imagine but think that that's that's part of that
0: that desire and it it really is a contrast to a lot of the albums and images of him from earlier on which was very much uh, from the 60s you know that uh, very smooth face uh, uh, straightened and combed hair to the side very much of the the doo-wop sound uh like a, almost looks like a nat king cole kind of picture with a with a suit three piece suit on with a tie this is very different this is this is very yeah. much more into the funk and soul um image and not in a, a negative way at all or a kind of a renegade way but in a very a very respectful and as you say a very strong way and a, a really it's very striking
1: I think similar to Pet Sounds, um, this album comes after a period of withdrawal. He was okay. pretty burnt out, pretty burnt out and um, fe- feeling some writer's block, yes. uh, tired of the sort of traditional Motown stuff and wanted to sort of pour more of himself into it. And a number of people told him that was a mistake, that you know he had a good thing going. Why, why would you get political? Why would you bother trying to be... Um, speaking truth to power why would you want to speak out against things like the war um, it was dangerous and, and so to have a cover like this I think is, is really sticking your chin out in the face of all of that criticism and saying I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak truth um, yeah it's, it's interesting and people to resist normally at this time of the show we give you a track listing um, with some audio of each track behind it But I think in honor of the artistry of creating an album that flows seamlessly from one track into the other, what we're going to do is encourage you to go and check out the tracks on your own time. Um, Listing them in order just by their name one through nine really is doing a disservice to the way that this album is assembled. It's really assembled to be listened to in its entirety seamlessly from one track to the other. There were singles Four of the songs were released as a single, What's Going On, Mercy Mercy Me, Inner City Blues, and Save the Children. They can all be listened to as individual tracks, but I think it works best as a concept album um, listened to from
0: beginning to end. Yeah, that was one thing that really struck me when I listened to it is that the songs all really flowed into one another very intentionally as if it was just to be listened to as one Continuous piece of music. Yeah. Um, not to say that none of them kind of end, but but they just flow and again thematically they're all very similar and have uh, connections thematically. And I had to listen to it a few times to really to really really understand what was happening there. I mean, I, I could get it mm-hmm. that you know one track wouldn't quite finish, the next would start, or they would be almost the same piece of music. But really, really understand what the story was of this album and i'm still i'm still digesting it in a a positive way i'm still digesting it because there's so much to chew on and uh i really really enjoyed that and it was challenging to listen to
2: well a lot of times messages arrive in front of us you know even in the bible Mm -hmm. read the handwriting on the wall and then once you hear the message or know what the message is do you really want to hear it and you resist it you know you don't want to know the truth Mm -hmm. you know the the king asked Daniel to read the handwriting on the wall, and then when he, t- he told me, you, "You going down, and your kingdom's going down with you," he didn't want to hear that. You know, so we don't want the reality of what America right. can stand for and what America does for the sake of right. um, supposedly democracy and 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 freedom. I think the the surprise for me on the first
1: listen to through was, you know initially recognizing what's going on and pieces of other of other tracks but the album finished and i was listening on spotify so it rolls into other similar artists i was like oh that's not marvin Gaye; it was someone else singing on this album because i didn't think there had been enough tracks to make up a full album because of the way it's seamlessly tied together i was like hey, that can't be it um, but it was and the more i've listened to it it feels complete even though um you don't have the normal marker of like pause between
0: tracks. Uh, it's, it's interesting. So we've already talked about how this album was new to us. We don't have a whole lot of memories. Uh, but Reverend King, uh, Ben tells me that you're quoting this album a lot, you know, just in your regular conversations or when you meet with people when you're preaching. Can you comment on a, lot of, a little bit on that? Like, what, what exactly does that mean?
2: For me, it gives me hope that now that I'm an elder, Um, in 1972, 1973, I was very young, um, and the fact that I can still quote Marvin Gaye even when I'm meeting in the community in school board, um, meetings about issues in our schools for students of color, and, you know, I get frustrated because it's like stop trying to deny that you don't see and that you don't know what's going on. So I've actually asked, um, could you please ask your secretary or your administrative assistant, do you have a a CD player? And they just look at me, you know, like there she goes again. Um, But I'm serious, you know, I'm not trying to distract or (laughs) redirect. (laughs) uh, Because I said, I would love to play Marvin Gaye, What's Going On?
1: When I saw Marvin Gaye's name come up on this list, I mentioned before that my assumption that it was traditional Motown. I think the music that I have listened to from Marvin Gaye in the past has been more in the lines of "Let's Get It On," mm. and so so hearing something that's so profoundly yes. uh, pointing out injustice, uh, prophetic in its in its words, not really romantic at all, was a surprise to me. I think my perceive my preconceived notion was that this was going to be recognized for its musicality and for its um, romantic nature and not because of the
2: power of the words in it. Mercy Mercy Me, Um, because it it talks about pollution, it it talks about um, just the the state of the the, the nation, but what, what I like about Mercy Mercy Me is, and that's why I asked for the CD player for what's going on, because Marvin Gaye said to save the babies, and what about the children? You know, what kind of world are we going to leave for them? And when I'm in meetings saying, these are the stories of the children of color and what they're going through, and we keep telling you over and over again, and... I thought Marvin Gaye said, you know, we're trying to tell you what's going on. He said, save the babies, and what about the children? Because it's not about your ego. It's not about your privilege. It's about the children. And I said, do you want me to to, to play it? I said, next time, I'll just bring my own boombox and play it for you every time I feel we need to go back to the matter at hand, which is, we're here about the children, and you need to know what's going on.
0: I didn't expect it to be as kind of Uh, have such a religious tone an evangelical tone uh, and certainly a a protest tone to it I didn't I didn't know that about the album so that definitely caught me by surprise I didn't expect it and my experience uh, with this song uh, really and it's kind of a silly memory but um, back in 2002 when you and I were traveling uh, when we were in hotels and we had a string of days off we watched a lot of MTV and uh, Marvin Gaye's daughter, Nona Gaye, did a, an all-star tribute song with a bunch of popular celebrity people and uh, with like NSYNC and Britney Spears and Bono and uh, Destiny's Child and all these people did a celebrity version of this song and they made a video and there was this making of program that they played over and over and over we saw it all the time. And that was kind of my first introduction to this. And you know, that song was very overproduced, and they talked about kind of poverty, and there's a lot of imagery in that video about kind of some social issues of the time. You know, we're talking 15 years ago, um, but, it, you know, that was really all I knew about it. So I kind of expected, again, to be just a little more mainline, mainstream pop or doo-wop of the time, and that's, that's not at all what it is.
1: Beyond the signals, what stands out to you as you're listening to this
2: album? I use jazz a lot to to teach students about how, with syncopation, um, going against the grain, and even in music, playing the off notes or off beat. Like, don't tell us that we have to clap on the rhythm of the one and three, which is Westernized, and culturally, it's the two and four, and then to specifically create music that goes against the grain that's very political
0: yeah there's a couple things that jumped out to me a couple of very interesting uh techniques there uh, there's a lot of the album has a lot of like reverb and echo which uh, i felt gave it not only a very 70s feel but also just a kind of a an interesting uh, presence, you know, of, of the whole thing, and I know that was yeah. common technique, uh, but that kind of gave it a, a very specific feel. And also on "Save the Children," a very interesting technique where he he speaks the lyric, mm-hmm. the call and response. Yeah, there. yeah, that's he speaks that surprised the lyric me too. And then he sings it, so just just a few words at a time as he goes through the lines, and and that was really really interesting. I don't even know if I've heard that uh, before. Not not anything that I would take very seriously, um, but it was like...
1: It feels like a worship practice in that song.
2: Yes. It's just so many times it comes through another genre, like an artistic genre, through song, through poetry, and they always seem to be the resistant pedagogy to teach us or to say the things that we normally wouldn't say in a conversation but when it came up in a song and you listen to it over and over again it's almost like it was a way to be indoctrinated into um, someone else's view of society Mm -hmm. but through song
0: yes absolutely and I I immediately like I, I think I just stopped what I was doing I think i was doing dishes i just kind of stopped and just listened because i heard him say it and then sing it and it yeah. was almost like yeah when you hear even almost i know this is very different but even in a in a catholic or anglican liturgical ceremony where they sing they sing the the liturgy it almost felt a bit like that but this is him speaking it and then his own voice answering it in in melody and that was really 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 cool Um, really interesting technique there and then one of the things that really popped to me was this sound on Mercy Mercy Me there's this very echoey percussive sound I don't know what it is some sort of a drum or something and it kind of just pops right out in the background Mm -hmm. and it reminded me um, and this isn't the only time this album reminded me of Justin Timberlake's 2020 experience uh, which he released in the uh, somewhere around you know, 2010 sort of thing. And as I heard this, I'm hearing all those themes there, the, the strings backing, the orchestration backing behind the kind of the regular rock and soul instruments. And I could see where he really took inspiration from this album to create that. But this same kind of percussive sound, uh, he had a, uh, a hit single with uh, Jay-Z called Suit and Tie. And you can hear that same sound. Now I checked to mm. see if he sampled it. I found a really cool website called who sampled and you can look up a song <laughs> and it shows the samples that are in the song, which is cool, but he didn't, it's not listening to he sampled it, but it sounds like whatever, whatever sound that is or instrument or thing that they've modified. He's using the same thing. just a bit of a higher pitch on the Timberlake recording, but that same kind of thing, it just kind of pops. I'm sure you know what I'm referring to. Um, but that yeah. was something that really just makes that song I think, really special. It's kind of like the icing on the cake for the song, and uh, kind of makes it pop out. So yeah, those are some things that really kind of jumped out at me uh, sonically.
1: I'm glad you mentioned the strings. I think that the strings are what tie this whole album together. And Hmm. I think they're consistent on every song. Uh, Sometimes they're not very much in the focus. Right. But there's, there's orchestral accompaniment all the way through this album. Yeah. And often it's their key change that leads into the next um, track, so to speak. Absolutely, Uh, which is really a really fascinating production value. Yeah. Um, The other the other thing that I think gets lost in naming this a protest album is how many themes are tackled. Mm. Um, You know, you've got so the racial justice vibe of what's going on, Mm -hmm. what's happening, brother is. based on his own experience of his brother returning home from Vietnam and, and wanting to tackle the militarization of, of the country and of people of color specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flying High is about his, um, his drug uh, abuse challenges and problems mm-hmm. and getting out of touch with reality because of substances. Um, you get into you know, the next generation and education with Save the Children, protecting the young people. You talk about religion and God is love. Mercy Me is about um, the planet Earth, which seems very forward-thinking for uh, early '70s to be yeah. already pushing people to consider uh, creation care. Wow! Um, and, and, you know the whole album, like each song almost or each each movement, uh, maybe would be a better way of saying yeah, it. Yeah, I like that. tackles a different a different aspect of the protest it's not singular it's not just about racial justice or just about um ending the war uh he 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 touches a whole bunch of things um and the more i think about it the more i realize why his peers his producers were saying don't do this (laughs) this is career suicide um you're tackling too many hot button things here in one album um it took a lot of courage i'm imagining for for someone to, to take all this on in, in one movement especially for someone who's basically known as you know a romantic singer um, to suddenly dump, jump into all of this
0: the other thing that kind of jumped out yeah. right off the top is the opening track it begins with kind of kind of crowd crowd sounds chatting and all these very you know iconic cultural, phrases at the time you know everybody's just kind of you know hey right on man we all just a great party you know they're just they're just (laughs) chatting and you just kind of get the feel that you know you're with you're in a social gathering um and with a bunch of people who are just there yep you know and then this conversation starts and Mm -hmm. you know you could almost imagine everyone gets together and one person stands up and says There's some things that are on my mind that we need to address.
1: It reminds me of your prophetic voice in our community, uh, Reverend King.
2: And we're going to keep telling you until you hear us, you know, um, and sometimes that's well received. (laughs) Sometimes it's not. They can press a button and eject me out the room. But guess what? I'm still standing and I'm going to keep having a seat at the table and be able to use my brother, uh, Marvin Gaye, to bring it home.
0: They, he lays it on you and that's the album it's uh it's it's really cool i really really enjoyed that it yeah. was kind of when i started the album i thought something wrong with my my headphones here like what's it's all this noise <laughs> but oh okay all right this is it and then it goes right into what's going on it's really cool
1: yeah i think i was saying to you, meredith the other day um there are so there are albums on this list that i knew i was gonna like There are albums on this list that I had no idea if I was going to like. And already we've had one that has not lived up to the hype for me. Um, It was just such a wonderful experience having no idea what I was getting into and just being totally blown away by how good I thought this was. Um, I love it. I love it when your expectations are, are just totally surpassed.
0: So I have a question to ask, and I think I know the answer. Um, the answer is, I'm sure, yes. But tell me how. In in what way do you see this album being relevant? I think we can say it's very relevant, at, at least lyrically, to yeah. our current climate. But but could you speak to that? How do you? In what ways do you feel that it's relevant?
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's the arrangement or the. The fact that, like you mentioned, there are still artists trying to capture the sound, but it does not feel as dated as some of the other albums that we have Mm. listened to from a musical Mm -hmm.
0: standpoint. Yeah, good point.
1: And um, lyrically, it is just so profoundly still relevant. Uh, I'm actually curious to ask you, Donna, how does it make you feel as someone who grew up around this time where these issues were so urgent?
2: It's all about freedom. With freedom to the point where you have to get political you have yeah. to stand up to sometimes societal laws are flawed mm. like slavery mm. so it makes you go against the grain yeah.
0: musically it's relevant lyrically I mean all the things that he's speaking out against they're all still happening uh, it might be different conflicts or in different ways but all these things are still issues and still need to be addressed in the U.S. and around the world so I guess in one way it's good that he was hitting on those things and in other ways it's really sad that you know pushing 50 years later those issues are still just as relevant and just as much of a concern as it were back then so Reverend King I have a question for you uh, you we know that This is a really inspiring album for you and and thank you for speaking about that. Are there other kind of uh, types of music or artists or albums or anything else that you find really inspirational?
2: Believe it or not, um, because my brother played so much jazz when he came back from Vietnam, um, there are a couple of jazz pieces that um, um, one in particular... Youssef Latif, he's a, a flutist, and he plays a very, very old uh, ballad called, I don't know if I pronounced it right, The First Genepathy uh, by Satie from the 15th century. Mm-hmm. And um, when I taught racism and sexism, I taught through the concept of um, dissonance, cognitive dissonance, but musical dissonance. And, you know, dissonance, uh, the musical term is the disharmony within harmony. And I would play the first genepede for the students. Beautiful flute. Um, you have to look it up and then, and then play, play it. Um, i played play it for the students, and they said, that's not dissonance, because it was very mellow. And I said, yes, it is. And actually, dissonance chords and dissonance musical pieces were outlawed because of the dark tone or using the dark keys right so I mean I was right on boy going further back even past the civil rights songs you know before Marvin Gaye I um, ain't gonna let nobody turn me around but then going even further back to the songs of the underground railroad I always sing old, old freedom but the words of the, of the songs that don't give up and keep keep running and and just keep hiding. But the fact that someone is going to help you along the way, you have to trust. Mm -hmm. You have to trust. And we did that back then. Why can't we do that now? But you know what? We are. We are, because I feel like this is the second wave of abolition. This, you know, the Underground Road is the first civil rights movement. This is our, our almost going into our third wave of civil rights so not to trivialize it, but...
0: Was this album Sound Logic at number six?
2: You know what? I don't care how many times it keeps coming up. I don't care how many times we have to stand up to do what's right. It all leads back to Marvin Gaye, what's going on? You got to keep playing it so we we can deal with those issues that seem to keep popping back up.
1: I think this is... Uh... Fitting in with the rhythm that I'm developing where I finish an album and think, oh man, this should be number one. Uh, maybe with an exception, a recent exception to that. Yes. Yep. Uh, but I really, really like this. And I, I think because I didn't know what to expect and it, it surpassed my expectations so far, I'm I'm just really happy it was included. I, I think it definitely deserves this position at number six. I could make the argument for it to be a couple positions higher, I'm sure. And um, and I think maybe even more than the albums that have come before it, I think this sound is still influencing uh, pop music specifically. Oh yeah. Maybe in, in ways that the other albums uh, are not
0: necessarily. Um. For me, that's a, the best argument to put this album at least one higher, if not more. Um, yeah. And it is so influential in so many ways and i think that's the reason although we see that this album in terms of sales the success of sales is really really fall short of where the other albums the five albums that came before it in sales and we see you know the number one album doing you know 19 million albums in sales with this one, you know, maybe around a million. But there's a reason that it's here, and that isn't just because of its commercial success, but how much influence it's had. And I think definitely this is Sound Logic to have it at number six. Maybe even, I could argue, for four or five. So we want to thank everybody again for listening, and a very special thanks to our guest, uh, Reverend Donna King. We thank you so much for joining us and sharing your experience with this album. It was great to have you with us.
1: Yeah, we really appreciate it, Donna. Thank you so much. It's uh, it's an honor to call you a colleague, to be inspired by your work. Can you tell people just a little bit about um, what you do here in our community?
2: Well, Saint Paul AME Church is an old church up on the mountain, built in 1859, and um, there's very small congregation, and it's a site for the underground railroad. So. We need help to keep the doors open, and we do Freedom Talks, which is dialogues about freedom once a month. We do Freedom Walks, which are Underground Railroad tours, uh, pending the weather. But the the church stands for what it's like to be a beacon on top of a hill for communities, uh, the community of Belfont, but surrounding communities like State College.
1: Thanks again for being with us. It means a whole lot. What do we got next time, Mike?
0: Next time we're going to discuss album number seven on the top 500 album list from Rolling Stone magazine, and that is Exile on Main Street by the Rolling Stones. We're looking forward to discussing this album, and we hope you'll join us. So we will see you next time.
1: Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Donna.
0: If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review.
1: Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.